I will take the designs with me to Borussan. They will be much safer there than my master. Until this battle station is fully operational, we are vulnerable. The Rebel Alliance is too well equipped. They're more dangerous than you realize. Dangerous to your Starfleet, Commander, not to this battle station. If the Rebels have obtained a complete technical readout of this station, it is possible, however unlikely, that they might find a weakness and exploit it. The plans you refer to will soon be back in our hands. Whatever I do, I do it to protect you. Star Wars fans and moof milkers everywhere. Welcome to episode number 51 of Blast Points. Uh, this is Jason. This is Gabe. If we're going really fast or if the episode suddenly ends, we're recording this on Sunday night, right before Rogue One tickets go on sale. Yeah, it's going to be right down to the wire. Yeah. If you hear us just suddenly stop talking, that's why. Because I've got a golden ticket. I've got a golden ticket. I've got a golden chance to so last week we did our big 50th episode with Phantom Menace, and in the meantime, there was all kinds of crazy news that came out. Yeah, we're definitely in the final stretch of Rogue One hype. One of the biggest things that came out was an article in Entertainment Weekly with Kathleen Kennedy talking about the future of the Star Wars franchise. A lot of information kind of came out of that. Things that people assumed was going to happen, but it's always neat to 
Here's some confirmation. The biggest thing possibly in it was they asked her, after the new trilogy ends with episode 9 in 2019, will a new trilogy begin? Or does the annual release of a Star Wars film become just standalone movies, only occasionally threading back together? the way the Marvel movies do. And Kennedy said, that's a conversation going on right now, too. I have to honestly tell you, could we do nothing but standalone? Sure, but I don't know. We're looking at all of that. What would you think of, after episode nine, just standalone movies? I think it could be cool. I think if... uh... I think the trick's going to be if nine ends in a satisfying way, because it's like Return of the Jedi kind of ended the six movies in a in a definite ending, and it felt like there was some closure to it. And if episode nine ends on a cliffhanger or something, that might be kind of strange to all of a sudden change that up. I don't know. The way the Marvel movies work is great with, you know, each character kind of getting movies, and then every couple of years, all those stories kind of coming together, which of those, I guess, when they came together, that could almost be like, Episode 10 would be after two years of standalone movies, and then it kind of ties everything together. But that would, I think, limit them with standalone movies to try uh, to kind of keeping in a coherent time frame, and they wouldn't be able to jump around through time like they are right now. On the show here, I've sworn up and down that they're going to keep making like until like episode 1 million. But I don't know. I feel like there always would be the desire to go back to the saga film, you know, the core story. What they've done the last few years is working well of, of alternating a saga film with a standalone well and speaking of the standalones they fully admitted what everybody kind of guessed that director josh trank was totally doing a boba fett movie and they even had a little super early teaser trailer ready to go at celebration anaheim last year He's no good to me dead. Put Captain Solo in the cargo hold. What the? Yeah, I can't even imagine what that would have been like now. Me either. Especially comparing Chronicle and uh, Fantastic Four. Like, what would Boba Fett have even looked like? Yeah. Boba, is your father here? Yep. May we see him? Sure. Dad, Tonwee's here. I mean, who knows? I mean, now that they've announced that, I wonder if the whole Boba Fett film now is just kind of on the back burner or put back on the shelf. And I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to think about. I still think they need to do half Django, half Boba Fett flashback movie. Maybe that's just for me. I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. Tomorrow Morrison plays all the characters, <laughs> even the people who aren't Bebe, aren't Boba Fett. Never heard of him. Oh, Boba, who did so he? So also keeping with the the whole the standalone the Star Wars story theme, there was a little bit of Han Solo movie news. Han Solo. 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 It came out that uh, Amelia Clark, who is probably best known to listeners for being in Terminator Genesis. Yeah, the, the outstanding film Terminator Genesis. She has been cast in the Han Solo movie as the female lead. Yeah, so that pretty much rules out her playing Sana Staros, right? Well, Sana Staros could still be in the movie. 
That's true. She doesn't have to be the main character. That's true. That's I think of all the Star Wars stuff. I'm that one has the most potential for just throwing us for a, a curveball, um, especially with the those directors. Who knows what they're gonna do? Maybe it's all done in Legos. We don't know. Yeah, felt puppets. <laughs> Maybe it's all the Falcons. Just a pizza box. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe all marionettes. We don't know. Yeah. It might. Yeah. I'd actually be really into that. I would be first in line. <laughs> I might be second, third, and fourth in line, too, because no one else would be there, but I'm ready. The, probably the biggest amount of news in the last couple weeks was Rogue One. In case you don't know, there's a new Star Wars movie coming out. <laughs> it's like, it's been, the onslaught is is going on. We're in the middle of the Rogue One onslaught. I, I feel like there has been a new TV spot every day, at least one. Maybe sometimes there's been five TV spots every single day. Yeah, because I think the one that came out most re- recently is like number 13 or 14, something like that. <laughs> I can't keep up anymore. Yeah. So one of our favorite TV spots were actually probably the Japanese ones, right? <laughs> I think as far as I can tell, have there been any other? There was just the Kazian one and the Jin one? As far as I know. Because those were cool because they were like character focused. And I don't know, Japanese trailers, when they speak English in them, they always sound so excited. <laughs> it's hard not to get pumped up. I want to help. I'm not used to people sticking around when things go bad. with me all the way may the force be with us we'll take the next chance and the next Rogue One, Star Wars story. they when, when they would show the trailers they would show the characters and then it would say special ability yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, there's superpowers yeah Jin Erso has a special ability I want to know what it is or maybe I don't I mean the movie's just like a few weeks away but and also the guy doing the narration for these trailers, he's really excited to say the characters' names. If you're really doing this, I want to help. I've been recruiting for the rebellion. Spies, assassins, saboteurs. Be with me. All the way. May the force be with us. Make 10 men feel like a hundred. Rogue One, Star Wars story. Yeah, he's probably the most excited Rogue One fan in the world. And he wants to tell us about it. <laughs> I want to sit next to him at the movie theater in a few weeks. Yeah, maybe he'll do commentary track. <laughs> Rogue One, Star Wars story. There was a behind-the-scenes video that came out a while back. And it's old news uh, for everybody else out there, but... We should still talk about it because in this behind-the-scenes video, you see clear as day Biggs and Porkins. Porkins and Biggs. My favorite meal. <laughs> I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I had a plate of Biggs and Porkins on Thanksgiving. It was really good. Mm-hmm. It makes your tummy warm. Yeah, I just mixed it together with the fork. It was really good. I don't know. I think that in conjunction with the, uh, the Bail Organa glossy uh, 8x10 that came out this week too it's like 
I don't even know what to think. Like, are there going to be more surprises? There probably are. Oh, probably. I mean, did you read John Knoll talking about in Entertainment Weekly that the uh, the greatest effect in Rogue One that ILM did is something that he can't talk about yet? Oh, I did not see that. Yeah. So I think there's some surprises to be had in the Rogue One. I don't know what that means. I mean, could mean a few things, but... And any of the things it could mean would be pretty amazing. Right. So, I mean, maybe it has to do with Biggs and Porkins. It probably does. Maybe Biggs and Porkins are completely CG creations. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe maybe Biggs' mustache had to be CG. It was the only way to get it accurate. Yeah. I made some friends at the Academy. When our frigate leaves for one of the central systems... We're going to jump ship and join the Alliance. The Rebellion? Quiet down. You got a mouth bigger than a meteor. I'm quiet. I'm quiet. Listen to how quiet I am. You can barely hear me. Maybe maybe Wedge shows up and he morphs between the two different versions of Wedge. (laughs) (laughs) Just to keep all the fans happy. Do you think that would piss off Dennis Lawson if they created like a digital young Wedge? I hope so. (laughs) I think they should do it just to piss off Dennis Lawson at this point. If you don't want everything to do with Star Wars, then Star Wars wants nothing to do with you. <laughs> it will make you CG. <laughs> it will make you fly around. With, with... Unfortunately, he has to survive. Otherwise, they could do like uh, like in stealth and just have him fly into the side of the Death Star in slow motion. <laughs> so there was a bunch of great quotes from... Uh, from our buddy Michael Frappuccino about doing the score for Rogue One. And he was talking about the the opening title theme that's done differently here. It's because it's not one of the saga films. It's sort of its own thing. And the whole idea from the beginning was these standalone movies would be slightly different. So it's a slightly different way to kick things off. I think the real crazy thing, too, is that he had, what, four weeks, he said? Yeah. To basically... Do it, do it all in a month. Yeah, no pressure. Yeah, which is kind of scary, but I think it's one of those things where a lot of times I think, you know, especially someone as talented as him, having that pressure hopefully is just going to work out for the best. Yeah. There's no time to second guess yourself, and he's just had to hit the ground running. John's melodies kind of lend themselves to anything. They're so good, you can really do anything with them. I didn't want to mess with them harmonically. I just wanted to present them in a different rhythmic light. He said that he is incorporating some of William's themes in into the film, into the score, but it's very much its own thing, which just sounds great. I mean, that's kind of what everybody wants. I'm really excited to hear the score. And actually, I wonder, I wonder how soon uh, the score will make its way to where people can listen to it, if that'll actually, like Force Awakens, if they'll do that before the movie comes out. You know, that's still one of my biggest things with... I'll read any spoiler about anything, but I will not listen to the score. Or I'll try not to listen to the score before the movie comes out. Yeah, see, I don't mind listening to the score ahead of time. And I don't think... I listened to The Force Awakens one before the movie came out. I don't think it, it hurt it for me. Yeah, I remember I remember you were, and I was like... I was absorbing everything about Force Awakens before it came out. But it was like, oh, and you. And I remember you sent me a link like, oh, here's the score. And I was like, no, I can't, I can't do that. I can't. <laughs> That's too far. I, 
can listen to cell phone videos of people t- of the actual scenes, yes. but I will not listen to the score. <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> Which is true. I will listen to, yeah, cell phone recordings of dialogue from the theater, but the score, that's too much. Too much. It's secret. Yeah. Which it is. It was. Yeah. So I, mean, no, I, under, I understand that. I can see that. I'm going sti- to try to stick with that with Rogue One. I'm going to try. There is something about having the music kind of going into your brain along with the visuals that are supposed to accompany it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it's almost like, in a way, reading a book before you see the movie. You're getting the story without the visuals. We have a mission for you. Ready? Be with us. PG-13. Get your tickets now. Speaking of reading a book, the the main topic of today's episode is we are talking about the Star Wars Catalyst book by James Lucino, which we both read uh, thanks to our friends at uh, Delray Books. We uh, both finished the book very recently. Yeah, it's it's a heck of a book, right? Yeah, it was. I really enjoyed it. Even I mean, right from the get from the beginning it was like i didn't it didn't uh have to force myself to read it like i i really wanted to finish it and it was really kind of it was a good setup for rogue one you know the thing with the book when i finished it i like we've talked a lot about rogue one and we talked a lot you know we joked around a lot around about like pistan and you know and everything else but it's like I was suddenly, after reading the book, way more interested in the Ersos and Galen Erso and Jin and Krennic and more of the, um, the, 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 the human drama of Rogue One than I was before reading the book. Yeah, I would agree. It, it does a really good job of setting up the, the history between Krennic and the Erso family and really giving you a good insight into where Krennic's coming from and kind of how he ended up, how he is. And yeah, I mean, I want a movie about Galen after this too. Like he just seems like a fascinating character. So I hope he's in the movie more than two scenes. (laughs) And one one thing I thought with the book too, is that it's, it's a very, very human story. There's not like a lot of action in the book. There's a couple of little action parts, but it's mostly about the Urso family. It's it's a story that spans from the Clone Wars all the way up to the early days of the Rebel, of the Alliance when you know they're still calling them like anarchists and stuff. Yeah, it was really cool to see basically the Clone Wars kind of the Clone Wars parts like through the viewpoint of just an average family kind of trying to survive what was going on like 
it was a neat viewpoint to see after you know only seeing the Clone Wars from the point of view of the Jedi or the Separatists, either in the films or in the Clone Wars, without getting into specifics. Like there's a few scenes that were pretty. It was pretty cool to see them from that viewpoint. And what the average person thinks of the battle droids or Count Dooku or the Jedi, you know, it was Mm -hmm. a fascinating way to go. That's no moon. It's a space station. Yeah, well, let's get let's get into it. Let's uh, let's go deep into into focus on some aspects of Catalyst here. We're going to try and keep it spoiler free as best we can. But I mean, you can't really talk about the aspects of the book without getting into stuff where if you like are waiting to read the book and you don't want to know, you know? Yeah. If you don't want to know the specifics, uh, definitely skip ahead. Um, but yeah, there's nothing in the book. I think that's any sort of a spoiler going to ruin anything for rogue one. No. And yeah, I don't think anything we're talking about necessarily ruins the story, but there were some surprise, surprising plot elements that popped out that, uh, I think we want to talk about. Sure. So let's start talking about, um, about the Erso family. Let's talk about Galen, Galen, Lyra, and um, and Little Jin. Let's, man, poor Galen. Yeah, he's he's having a rough time. <laughs> Jin, whatever I do, I do it to protect you. I understand. Right from the beginning, dude's got it rough. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of the thing. It was like Galen and Lyra were such interesting characters. It's kind of, I felt like reading this book, I wish there was a f- movie of this because I don't know that they're going to have much time to get into Lyra or Galen in the in Rogue One. Maybe more so Galen because he kind of ties directly into the story. But yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with Lyra. I don't imagine anything good. Well, and I mean, that's something I was thinking about where Catalyst adds so much to probably what's going to add up to be five minutes of Rogue One. But when we're sitting there in the theater and we're watching Galen and Lyra and young, young Jin, it's going to mean so much more to the folks that have read Catalyst. Just the Force. Well, I really, and also I really liked Lyra Erso with her viewpoint of the Jedi. I guess a lot of the stuff in the book, yeah, it's cool to get kind of an average person's point of view of the stuff we kind of take for granted in the Star Wars films, seeing them from the point of view of the Jedi or the Rebels or the Empire. Right. No, and also with very young Jin. I mean, we don't, I mean, Jin in the book, when the book ends, she's like, I don't know, what would you say when the book ends, like four or five or something? Probably four years. So, yeah, she's like maybe in around three, four years old. There's a brief scene with Jin at a playground, and there's mention of uh, her being really feisty and um, pushing kids, kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was a really neat kind of foreshadowing of Jin's character. Yeah. Well, they kind of all through the book, whenever they talk about Jin, and she always seems like a handful, and she's causing problems and being loud and stubborn. Now, and the other thing, I think by the end... Two is kind of neat. It's, there was those photos of the handmade toys, the start the stormtrooper, and then there were some spaceships and things. And right by the end of the book, you kind of those make more sense. Yeah, that um, those are probably gins. Yeah, that those are probably gins that probably her mom or dad or the 
a droid made for her. Right. Because they had to basically leave everything behind at the end. Yeah. Um, Because I think there was a specific line about her having to leave her toys behind. Yes. And they had to leave behind Mac V. (laughs) Nanny Mac V. Good evening. I am Nanny McPhee. (laughs) Which I... I gotta think somebody writing the book likes the Nanny McVee movies because their nanny droid's name was Mac V. <laughs> I really wanted to see Mac V. I wanted to see what that guy looked like. Yeah. Was it a yeah, guy? I mean, was, was, it was a man, too, yeah. Because yeah. for a while I thought it was, it was a lady, but at the end, yeah, it's a man droid. Yeah. Not a man droid like from Eliminators. <laughs> <laughs> the man droid. More machine than man. His special powers will determine whether or not they survive. We got robots. We got cavemen. We got kung fu. What is this, anyway? Some kind of damn comic book. (laughs) He didn't have tank legs and a cyborg eye, but he was a male droid. (laughs) (laughs) But he didn't deliver mail. (laughs) Right, yeah. They probably have those in Star Wars, like post, post office droids. Uh, so let's talk about uh, Orson Krennic. Let's. The power that we are dealing with is immeasurable. No, I I like reading about Krennic. He seems like a jerk. Who was he? Didn't start out being a total jerk, but it suited him, and it kind of he just jerked it up more and more as the book went on. He, he's my impression of Krennic was he's he's just. He's power hungry. He just yeah. he just wants power. He wants the status. Like he wants to become famous in the empire, if that's even like possible. Yeah, and he's the type of person who's not content, potentially ever, that he always has to be more successful, more higher rank, more powerful. Like right, he's hungry to the point of it being detrimental. I think in the long run for him, he'll and he'll screw over anybody if it means. His moving up in the world. Yeah, including his friend. Right. Poor Galen. They had mentioned that they had history and they were friends, but I think seeing how long the history goes back, it does really make me excited to see Rogue One and kind of see how that pans out. It's basically the resolution of Galen and Krennic's friendship and Jin kind of being thrown into the mix right. after all these years. And so much of... Galen's job and his professional life is dependent on the weapon for the Death Star, the laser for the Death Star. And that is solely dependent on Galen. So the two things are hand in hand. And like, he can't, he doesn't know if he can trust Galen, but he knows he can probably push him around. Yeah, he definitely spends a lot of time manipulating Galen. Um, Because basically, he's in a situation where the person who is most equipped to figure out the Death Star laser is the person who's the most opposed to doing anything for the military to the point of an early in the book, him basically going to prison for the separatists because he refused to talk about his research. Right. is definitely like if you're a clone wars fan or a prequel fan they throw a lot of love your way yeah he talks to masamita like 10 times in the book i think right as you should in my opinion yeah if i had his phone number i'd be calling him all the time oh all the time i would 
every day when I wake up. What's up, Masamita? <laughs> How those horns doing? Looking good. <laughs> what were you doing last night? Probably something wicked. Order. Order. <laughs> well, and James Lucino, you know, he's written like one million Star Wars novels, and he, you know, he wrote uh, one I really like, uh, Labyrinth of Evil, in the back that was 100% set in the prequel era, and he wrote, um, in my opinion, a really unsung Star Wars classic, uh, Dark Lord, which takes place right after Revenge of the Sith, and is all about what did Darth Vader do in that first week after Revenge of the Sith? And it's pretty much Palpatine being like, go out and kill all the senators who ever said talk trash about me. And it's just Vader going around killing all the senators and just dealing with Vader stuff in his head. I was going to say this brings up an interesting thing too, that they definitely held back on. There is no Vader in this book. No, it's mentioned. And I like how Krennic is just like, oh yeah, that Vader guy, whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. Again, it's cool to see the, uh, the main saga characters kind of from different people's viewpoints. And yeah, he's never met Vader. He's got no reason to actually, understand what vader is and actually even be afraid because he's yeah whatever that vader guy yeah whatever no big deal no big whoop don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed the ability to destroy a planet is insignificant next to the power of the force don't try to frighten us with your sorcerer's ways lord vader your sad devotion to that ancient religion has not helped you conjure up the stolen data tapes or given you clairvoyance enough to find the rebels hidden fort I find your lack of faith disturbing. Enough of this. Vader, release him. As you wish. <clears throat> this bickering is pointless. Now, Lord Vader will provide us with the location of the rebel fortress by the time this station is operational. We will then crush the rebellion with one swift stroke. adversary ends up being Tarkin. Oh, man. They hate each other. Yeah. Oh, hate each other. And Tarkin is so good in this book. Yeah, he's he's Tarkin it up a notch. <laughs> <laughs> you can... It's so great because, like, the way James Uccino writes Tarkin's dialogue, you can hear Peter Cushing. Just oh, totally, yeah. Rolling those words out. Rolling those words out. <laughs> yeah, I was telling you earlier. It's like I think I'm. I never got around to reading the Tarkin book, and I'm probably going to go read it now after reading this, just because I liked his Tarkin. Yeah, we're we're terrible fans because I have not read the Tarkin book either. So no, and we both love Tarkin so much. I know, and someone people probably are smashing their iPhones once again right now. I know. Loser, we're too busy watching Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> I should have expected to find you holding Vader's leash. I recognized your foul stench when I was brought on board. Charming to the last. So let's talk about the crystal connection. Let's let's go in depth with that. 
kyber crystals, I mean, this goes back to our kyber crystal episode from a couple weeks ago, but kyber crystals are a real driving force in this book. Yeah, they weren't like just dipping their toes in the water of kyber crystals. It's like the book's all about kyber crystals, and I have a feeling Rogue One is going to be significantly about kyber crystals. Or maybe not. Maybe they saved it all for the book. I don't know. But they definitely are front and center in the uh, Death Star lore now. And it's crazy because, like, in in our Kyber Crystal episode a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the the Crystal Crisis on Udapau episodes, the unfinished Clone Wars episodes. And those are referenced, uh, those episodes are referenced a lot in Catalyst. Yeah, well, to the point of Galen basically working with that actual crystal. Yes. That crystal is in the book. And them mentioning the events of... Crystal Crisis on Utapau episodes. Yeah. And, you know, that ties in with something I think it's, well, kind of they set it up in the first paragraph of the book, though, which basically playing the idea that the Death Star, even though it was designed by the Separatists, that somehow, surprise, the Republic found those plans as well. Um, And their whole idea of building the Death Star was to beat the Separatists at building a Death Star. You know, Um, Gabe, I never put it together. And again, we're terrible fans, but I never put this together that in the 2,000 times I've watched Attack of the Clones, Pago the Lesser says, you know, they can't get the plans for the Death Star, and Dooku's like, oh, this will be much safer with my master. So basically at that moment, the Separatists with Poggle are building a Death Star, and then Dooku takes the plans and gives the plans to the Republic which is Sidious and Palpatine. So it's that right there is just Palpatine working both sides. So he can build two Death Stars at once because he's actually in control of both of these things. Right. Which is why I thought they might get into it in the book and they don't, but I feel like they kind of planted the seed for how the second Death Star was ready to go so quickly. If potentially the return of the Jedi Death Star was the separatist version. Yes. Um, And whether or not, Regardless of how far along they got, there was a Death Star already in progress somewhere in the galaxy at the same time as this one that the Republic was trying to build. There was always two Death Stars in construction. Which just seemed like a, a brilliant way to kind of solve that question of, over you know, why are there two Death Stars? It's like, well, now it makes perfect sense because both sides were trying to build one. Yeah, I – when – we, when we were texting each other kind of back and forth while we were reading this and when I kind of – when that idea started to dawn on me, I like had to like stop reading the book and just kind of stare off into space. I'm really excited to see if they follow up on this in uh, future stories because it just seems like it's, it's such a – it's right there. Right. You can see here the Death Star orbiting the forest moon of Endor. Although the weapon systems on this Death Star are not yet operational, the Death Star does have a strong defense mechanism. And and also, I think we need to mention, if you're a fan of Pog of the Lesser... (laughs) (laughs) Which everyone is, right? Everyone. (laughs) Everyone is. Catalyst is a book for you, because there is a lot more Pog of the Lesser than I ever imagined would be in this book. Uh, It's pretty amazing. And you even get a scene with... uh, Krennic speaking in Geonosian language oh. to get uh, in Poggle's favor. Oh, 
I didn't listen to the audiobook, but and the, the it's all translated into English in the book, but I wish in the audiobook we could hear Ben Mendelssohn speaking Geonosian. Yeah. I just love the part where he's like he couldn't quite get all the clicks and uh <laughs> but he could get the rest of the pronunciations. Yeah. Um, and they make they turn Poggle into he's kind of a badass by the end too. They uh, uh, I was really happy with the way they had Poggle. Well did you and did you pick up on when Poggle just like, I'm out of here and bolts out on a spaceship? He's going to Utapau. To yeah, he goes to Utapau and then yeah, then to Mustafar. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because well, when that happened, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I love that part where he's just like, my uh, my security drones put a hyperdrive on here. I'm out of here. Yeah. Poggle out. Yeah. Peace yeah, out, Krennic. Man, if anything, I w- this makes, yeah, I would kill for a live action version of this book just to see yeah, Ben Mendelsohn talking to Poggle the Lesser. <laughs> 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 So, I could have stopped the book right then, and it would have been a four-star book for me. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else is just bonus after that scene. Blue ribbon book. Yeah. <laughs> book of the year. <laughs> so let's talk about Saw Gerrera. The world is coming undone. Imperial flags reign across the galaxy. Saw Gerrera's in this book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he he's introduced kind of in the in the 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 third part of the book and he doesn't have his mech suit yet. He, yeah, I think that was probably the biggest kind of surprise cuz it was surprising when he showed up and I was like okay, it makes sense Saw's here, but yeah, it doesn't seem like he's in his suit yet and I thought maybe the book was going to explain his suit, but it didn't. He makes a lot of kind of references to the Onderon arc of Clone Wars, which, I mean, that could be mentioned, too, that there are, there's like a Clone Wars reference on every other page in this book. Yeah, I feel like the story group definitely helped out with the timeline of this, because, yeah, they mention Onderon, Chris, Chris Christopherson's. <laughs> 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 the, the planet where everyone is Chris Christopherson. <laughs> yeah, Chris Christopherson. Which I had to like, there were parts where I was reading it and I was like, wait a minute. Are they talking about that one episode? And then I like had to like Wikipedia the planet name, and I was like, "Those bastards, they are." Yeah, there was a lot of throwbacks to Ryloth and yeah. uh, Ch- don't Chams- even talk about Cham. Yeah, yeah, they talk about Cham. Mm-hmm. Um, Saad does not ride a bird in the book, unfortunately. Sadly, and there's no mention of his days riding birds. But there were bird people. There, yes, there were. You take what you can get. <laughs> You know, the thing with the Saw stuff that really got me thinking, and I wonder if this is going to happen, especially them getting Forrest Whitaker, like a pretty big name actor to play Saw, is I wonder if they'll do a Saw standalone that basically is a prequel to original trilogy transition type movie. Oh my God, I'd love that. Of kind of a pre-mech suit Saw just starting 
the Rebel Alliance thing. The early days, yeah, the early days of the Alliance, yeah. Because, yeah, they basically kind of imply things that had happened with him in that time frame. Man, yeah, I just think that would be a really fascinating thing to watch. And I, I like how the Empire... And even like the Erso family refer to what is the grassroots version of the Alliance as anarchists. They kind of remind me of season one of Rebels a little bit. Yeah, that's true. Right there, that um, whenever Krennic's kind of talking about the the people that are still left fighting the Empire, yeah, yeah it's pretty much like what we're seeing in Rebels. Yeah, and I did like the thing with the uh, when Saw and crew kind of helped start a rebellion in. Uh, against Tarkin that basically all the weapons they stole were separatist era weapons kind of tying into even with the prequels where the separatists ultimately become the rebellion. Yeah. And if you read the book, baby Jin, like some crazy story called the octave staircase. Yeah. And I, there's part of me that thinks somehow that's going to pay off something in rogue one. I hope so. Because they kind of went out of their way to, elaborate on this little weird kid story i mean yeah the last few paragraphs of the book are kind of talking about like the octave staircase again right yeah um oh one thing to mention though that i was really surprised by um and has me even more curious about rogue one is there is zero mention of death troopers you know i kept thinking that too like when krennic would show up towards the end of the book i was like and they kept saying how he's flanked by stormtroopers i was like oh man i was hoping they'd be deaf troopers yeah and early on in the book when he kind of had his uh like special forces group with him yeah that weren't stormtroopers i was like oh these guys are going to turn into the death troopers and it didn't happen so i hope there's some explanation and rogue one doesn't just start and he has death troopers and they never really Explain where they come from. I bet if we get an explanation, it'll be in Pablo Hidalgo's visual dictionary. Maybe. You know? Unless they're like, Tarkin sends them (laughs) to keep an eye on Krennic or something. I don't know. Could be. I mean, that's one thing, too, with Rogue One. It kind of was just like, man, I wonder if Tarkin is going to be in Rogue One. I mean, they go a long way to kind of show their rivalry. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that was the thing I was thinking is on one hand, they justified him not being in the film by explaining where, why he's not on the Death Star and what he's doing. And it might take a couple years, but then part of it feels like a setup so that if Tarkin does show up at the end of the movie, that if you read the book, you're even more like, oh, crap, there's Tarkin, you know, they so hate each other. I guess their yeah. bases are covered either way. Right. I don't know. We'll find out. Maybe we at least get hologram Tarkin. I'd be good with that. Yeah. A little hologram. (laughs) We're Tarkin whatever we can get. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned for the Blast Points episode. (laughs) Talking about Tarkin talk. (laughs) Tarkin talk. Tarkin Tarkin. Tarkin 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 Token. Tarkin Points. (laughs) In 2017, we'll just be known as Tarkin Points. Yeah. All Tarkin all the time. I grow tired of asking this, so it'll be the last time. Where is the rebel base? Dantooine. There 
on Dantooine. There. You see, Lord Vader, she can be reasonable. Continue with the operation. You may fire when ready. What? You're far too trusty. Dantooine is too remote to make an effective demonstration, but don't worry. We will deal with your rebel friends soon enough. You can't shut us up. We won't stop talking. <laughs> Jason, you're talking too much. <laughs> I, I used to listen to Blast Points, but those guys talking too much. Yeah. I can't talking it anymore. <laughs> You still got a few weeks before Rogue One comes out. You can you can read Catalyst. I really recommend it. I mean, like I said, like even looking at my Jin Erso action figure, it means it's something different. It means something different now after yeah, reading the it's, book. It's definitely gonna intensify the human drama part of Rogue One, right? Significantly, I think. Well, no, and if you're a fan of the Clone Wars, it's a really neat wrap-up of overview of Star Wars history also. We have intercepted a coded Imperial transmission. It indicates that a major weapons test is imminent. We need to know how to destroy it. So why me? The message was sent by your father. They call it the Death Star. We need to capture the plan. My father built him. We need to find him. Here's the new Star Wars Death Star space station that you put together. Action figures each sold separately. Darth Vader's firing a laser cannon. It's been hit. He's at the low. Take the elevator. Hurry. Now cross the light bridge. You won't escape me. Jump, Luke. Oh, no. The trash compactor. There's a trash monster. The wall's closing. Kenner's new Star Wars Death Star Space Station. Action figures each sold separately. So, Gabe, we have a new iTunes review. Oh, great. And this one is from our friend Dennis, and he is uh, on iTunes. He's DJ Kiever, DJ Kiever 2.0. So he's upgrades like Tron 2.0. Yeah. Um, he just keeps getting better. Yeah. <laughs> Blast Points is fairly unique among other Star Wars podcasts, which is not an easy accomplishment. Jason and Gabe bring their unique perspectives to the weekly Star Wars news and usually top it off with a discussion of something less obvious from the Star Wars galaxy. Ewoks animated series, anyone? They challenged each other to watch, and their reactions are priceless. This is definitely worth a subscription. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I still I still have nightmares about the Ewoks challenge. <laughs> I yeah. At least someone we got, you know, someone made it worth our while. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. All the pain was worth it. <laughs> the deep mental scars. The sweats. Late night sweats. <laughs> Waking up. No. <laughs> I can't look at a bar of soap the same. <laughs> I tried to wash my hands and it got foamy. I passed out. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. 
So if you like the show, uh, you should go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. And if you do that, we will read your review on an upcoming show. And if you have any questions or stuff you want us to talk about or questions about Star Wars or Catalyst or anything or want to know what we think about something, shoot us a line on our Twitter page or on our Blast Points Facebook page and um, and we'll answer it. We'll do the best we can to answer it on an upcoming show also. And yeah, and if you, uh, if you like our Facebook page, you can find out all about what shows are coming up next and when we post stuff and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, if you have any ideas for shows too, feel free to send those our way too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then next week's show, I think we can safely say what it's going to be. The holiday special. <laughs> yeah, get ready. We're going to be watching it live. Well, not live, but we're going to be watching it and recording like a commentary while we watch it. So you can It'll feel be live for us. Yeah, you can feel free to play along or not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and by the end, we might not be live anymore. We might be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Our ghosts will be at the theater for Rogue One. Yeah. Will be the only podcast from beyond the grave. Yeah. <laughs> Ghost points. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that about wraps up uh, episode fifty-one here of Blast Points of Ghost Points. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening, and yeah. uh, go read Catalyst, and we'll see you next week. Talk to you later. Bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. Story. May the force be with all of you! <laughs> 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 <laughs>